We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Not A Robot Podcast's DC Comics Review Show. As always, I have my amazing co-host here with me, Rob. How the hell does white baby formula make green, mushy, pea-colored poop? Uh, <laughs> thank you for that colorful imagery. <laughs> I'm just confused. <laughs> it makes no sense. Uh, yeah. Oof, baby trouble sounds like. <laughs> uh, and Josh. Hello, humans. <clears throat> this week we will be covering Batgirls number 6, I Am Batman number 9, Superman Son of Kal-El number 11, and Wonder Woman 787 with our usual spotlight titles that we'd like to throw out there and some honorable mentions before we get through uh, the rest of the reviews. But before we get to that, um, make sure you stick around until the end of each episode to hear our top three books of the week, The Biggest Stinker, and to find out which titles might just make the dump list. If you want to support us further, please visit Buy Me a Coffee forward slash any our podcast for either one-time donation or subscription for access to our Discord as well as other exclusive content available on the network. But with that out of the way, let's get into some news. I'm going to hand it over to you because I have really no news on my end. Uh, just a very weird question, which I will save right. until the end. Yeah. All right. Um, well, uh, first, I guess uh, there's just some random shit that I wanted to share um, that I happened to find out about. Some of it you may already know. But uh, I, was, I was checking out this new upcoming Edge of the Spider-Verse series that's coming out in August. And uh, we've got two new spider characters that are going to be coming out. Um, Black Cat is one of them. She will be known as Night Spider. And then the other one is going to be Craven the Hunter. Oh, goodness. <laughs> And even worse, his name is going to be Hunter Spider. I mean, that, I think that's an actual spider, so that... that oh, I, a huntsman yes. is an actual spider, and they totally he could have gone with the that. Spider. He should just be the spider, like in um, Craven's Last Hunt, when he was wearing the spider costume. Just the spider. Yeah, or, yeah. the spider, or, or, or the huntsman, which is a spider. They, I mean, there could have been a Hunter Spider. I'm a little disappointed yeah. in that. Oh, well, um, money on the move- table. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Moving past Marvel and into some indie news, Dark Horse is releasing a new book that is very, very dark and what they describe as hyper-violent. Ooh. And it's going to be based on the characters from Sesame Street. Oh, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> I've been wanting to see Cookie Monster go postal for 32 years. (laughs) Well, I have a feeling you're going to get to see that. Or at least something pretty damn close. (laughs) Um, In Flashpoint. (laughs) Right? (laughs) C is for killing. No, you're spelling it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) One uh, uh, limb. uh, uh, uh. Two limbs. (laughs) Uh, uh, uh. Three severed heads. (laughs) <laughs> Excellent. Um, in Flashpoint Beyond News, Grifter and the Resistance will be coming back. They were in the first Flashpoint, in case nobody remembers that. Also, 
in Flashpoint Beyond News, there is a rumor that Dexter, the 10-year-old son of Harvey Dent, who Oswald Cobblepot, uh, assistant oh, to Thomas Wayne, so you started that with Dexter, the ten-year-old, and I thought this was going to be like the Cartoon Network Dexter's Laboratory reunion. Dexter's Lab. <laughs> Wait, they had like no. the—I know it's not a Hanna Barbera cartoon, but they were doing like the, you know, like the DC Hanna Barbera crossovers a while back. So yeah, maybe they can do some Cartoon Network crossovers. I, I would love to see Lex Luthor go up against Dexter. Oh man, that would be. I want, I want to see Teen Laboratory. Titans and Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Get out to my laboratory. Just, that would that would make my childhood. Ooh, that'd be good. Vixen <laughs> yeah. with cat dog. Oh man, cat dog, cat dog. It's a cat on with the, the other cat beavers. dog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, the oh, rumor man. about Dexter is that he could end up becoming a Robin. Well, I could see that. Oh, cool. At this yeah. point, because you know, Dad's dead. Batman took him in. He's, yeah, he's the, shooting guns. He's already got the Jason Todd treatment going. So Exactly. So it looks like it very well could be true. In more DC news, and I've got uh, just two more pieces. Um, coming up in World Without a Justice League, in the Green Lantern issue, we will be seeing Red Hood become a Green Lantern. And he's, he's rather mm-hmm. weird looking. He's, they're, they're maintaining the look of Red, Head, Red Hood while blending in a lot of Green Lantern. And it's a very odd look um also kyle rayner is returning <laughs> and so Ooh. is john stewart in the emerald knight form <laughs> but i could have swore that he died in the death of the justice league wasn't he squished by the evil specter uh i thought he was just blasted like everybody. i, I could have sworn the only one that died viciously was oliver queen because a fucking course the best member of the justice league gets killed for real <laughs> <laughs> I, I could have swore that we saw the Spectre clap his hands together, um, squishing Jon Stewart. Well, um, maybe I'm remembering wrong. Wouldn't be the first time. Oh, it might have happened. He might have not been killed by that, though. Okay. Um, and then, finally, we are supposed to be getting a very unexpected fan-favorite character showing up at the end of Action Comics World Worlds World War World story. Um apparently Goku? the character will be depicted in a way that no one is used to and Philip Kennedy Johnson promises that it will get a huge reaction out of fans. But oh, he doesn't say if it's Connor. going to be a please be Connor. That would be cool, but he doesn't say if it will be a positive one or not. He um. just says that there will be a huge reaction. So and, and and depicted in a way nobody is used to. So we're going uh, to uh, we're going to have to wait Gabby. and see what that is. <laughs> well, we saw John Henry Irons in the last issue of Action, um, and yes, there's a did. part of me that's like, I know they would never do this, but I would love to see it um, where they have like the four replacement Supermen forming like a team, like a squad, and then that squad goes to War World to help out Superman. So you'd have Superboy, John Henry Iron, Steel, Cyborg Superman, somehow you, you know, make him not evil, and also Eradicator. And you just put them together, and they're like the, the Superman rescue squad or something. They would never do that. It's <laughs> insane, but I, it would be really be cool wild. to see. Yeah, That would be kind of cool to see. It'd be interesting to see how you got Eradicator and Cyborg Superman on the side of the good guys, but... Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, I mean if anybody could do it, machines. I and Steel could maybe like if he's if, he's if he's as skilled with suits as he is with or skilled with robotics mm. as he is with suits, he could reprogram them. Yeah. All right, that's all I've got for news. And uh, Brandon has a steaming question that he's got, but real <laughs> quick, I've got some honorable mentions I wanted to throw out there. Urban Legends, Future State Gotham, Suicide Squad, Get Joker, and Nightmare Country, all of them was awesome this week. And yeah. I strongly urge you to go read them. Definitely, definitely. Future uh, State now, Gotham with some surprising tie-ins to other... Uh, future state Gotham titles that yeah, it's, it's been it getting better. Finally bridges the story. It was good. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, now Brandon mentioned that he's got this question, and he said he was saving <laughs> it to the podcast. So I am dying to know what that question is. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's well, I say it's insane, but it's probably not that insane. But I've been thinking about it a lot because. I, I've I've kind of been going through like this. It happened a little bit earlier last year, and I'm, I think I'm going through like my second phase of it. But I've been going through like this really weird new 52 kick where I've just been reading a ton of titles that I had otherwise skipped. And I, I don't know. It just it kind of got me thinking because someone said something a while back about the new 52, and it really stuck with me. And it was this idea that you basically had these characters who had been established for 80 years rebooted and their entire history was wiped clean, but they were still arguably, you know, genetically the same person, just they were different. And I don't know, something about that just got me thinking. It was like, what if, what if you woke up one day and someone came to you, like some secret agent or something, and was just like, hey, listen, I know this will be hard to believe, but your entire life has been rebooted and you don't even realize it. Like there was an other version of you that existed that was better and stronger and had a greater history than you could have ever known. And you're basically living like the, the truncated version of that, the smaller version of that. And I don't know why that's just been sitting with me for like the past week or so, but it's, I, I don't even remember where I saw someone talking about that idea, but it's just it's been sitting with me and so now I present that question to you if someone came to you and told you that your life had been rebooted from an alternate history what would you do what could you I do I'm getting too old for existential crises Brandon I know it's weird right? <laughs> uh, oh my god I think the first thing I would do is punch the agent in the face for not only <laughs> like fucking with my mind but just like so does any of this matter like yeah ah uh, or try to get if if I had such a greater, richer history, I'm gonna try and get that that legend status back if I had mm. it. I don't know. Oh, that's 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 a really big question. I know it's. I just I don't know why I've been like wrestling with that for days, but it, it's just been on my mind so much. And I'm like, what what would I even say to someone if they told me that? Like, yeah, your life, the one you're living right now, it's actually like the shorter, smaller, less storied version of another life. What do All I right, even so do with that? A couple of months ago, I want to say, I posted, <laughs> we were talking about the Mandela effect and why so many right. people remember one thing or another. And uh, part, part of the explanation I could come up with is multi, you know, universes overriding one another and people mm -hmm. changing. And that's why some people remember it. Yet the people in the same family have completely conflicting uh, uh, memories, but uh, 
a thousand other people in the world don't. They have the same memory. And the only thing that I could possibly come up with is that people are like overwritten like files. And it is a very scary idea, to be perfectly honest with you. Oh, right. If, if, like, if, 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 if I got onto the podcast or was talking in Discord, and the mm. next thing I know, Rob is a raging conservative, it would blow my fucking mind. Yeah. Because <laughs> <clears throat> you know, that's the thing. Example. I mean, you would, yeah, you would have no idea what your previous life in another timeline would have been until someone told you mm-hmm. right which is just and frightening <laughs> yeah exactly talk about blowing your mind i, I think a lot of so, people yeah. wouldn't be able i'm sorry i'm sorry that. to i'm sorry to drop that on you on a wednesday afternoon but <laughs> i just <laughs> like it's been in my brain and i need someone else to i need someone else to share it with oh it is it is definitely a frightening idea that is yeah. to say the least mm. That well, that's all I have on my list. end. Um, <laughs> I, I guess if we're if we're doing shout outs to indie books, I wasn't sure if I, I always forget if we're if we're doing that sometimes. But um, I guess I'll, I'll give a shout out to a, a book over at Boom Studios that came out this week from Stephanie Phillips and Flaviano with colors from Rico Renzi called Grim Number One. Um, I wasn't I really sure I was yet. even going to read this. Yeah, but it just it looked really cool. Like it had a really cool cover, and I know Stephanie Phillips because she did a really cool book called Butcher Paris, and then obviously Harley Quinn. Um, but it just like this book seemed to be getting a lot of hype for some reason. So I checked it out, and it was really solid. Um, really great art too. Um, so yeah, I would definitely recommend that if you're just looking for anything remotely interested outside of uh, DC and Marvel. That's a Grim Number One from Stephanie Phillips and Flaviano. I saw it. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but uh, now I'm definitely going to. Yeah, no, I mean, I wouldn't say it's anything like groundbreaking, but it's it's pretty good. I think it'll be a, if it's, you know, like a, a decently long run, I think it'll be something really interesting. So definitely check it right out. Right on. All right, all well, right, all right. So, something DC related uh, in, in a way. Uh, there have been more test screenings for the Flash movie yet again for this month. And apparently they're all somewhat positive. Nobody hates it, but nobody's saying it's the best movie either. They're just saying it's good to okay. Hmm. Oh, that's great news. I also uh, heard, I I read a rumor earlier this morning, of course. I can't remember where it was at, but uh, one of the damn comic book news things that show up on my feed. But uh, that they are... Even though they are so far into production with the latest scandal surrounding Ezra Miller, they are looking at recasting him digitally. Oh, that would be terrible. That'd be weird. And it would Did be they very their expensive from Justice and very League? delayed. Is no one is no one gonna is no one gonna remember the mustache incident? <laughs> oh, I mean, I definitely cut? remember it. However, Ooh, I will say yeah. I will say that um, if you remember uh, Zack Snyder's, uh, I almost called it Army of Darkness. Um, what the hell was the name of his uh, zombie movie Ar- that came Ar- out? Ar- Army of the Dead. I think. Army of oh. the Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. he did like a reboot. Of the that. helicopter pilot was played by Tig Notaro there. One of my favorite comedians, by the way. But oh, wow. um, in any case, she was not the original cast member. In fact, every single scene 
was already filmed with the original person in it. And that person was Chris D'Elia, who it came out that he had been um, conversing with underage girls on Instagram. So they digitally replaced him with her. Just kind of took her image and, and took his body out, put hers in, and that was it. And it sounds like they are potentially considering doing the same thing with Ezra Miller. And if that's the case, we could look at getting the Flash movie somewhere near, I'm going to say, 2025. Huh. Well, yeah. So I, I do want to say, take take a lot of those recasting rumors with a huge grain of salt. Because every day I'm seeing something different. Um, and, and most of the time when people are saying that he's being recast, it's really just news sites or people posting online citing absolutely no sources that are saying oh, WB yeah. is saying this but nobody's ever saying who in WB is but then WB is actually stating that they have not had these conversations and there's no mm. plans for that so who really knows what's going on um, someone Ezra, Ezra Miller I mean, may or may not be just very unwell um and quite honestly, there there are other people in the DC movie pantheon currently that need to be fired. I think more than Ezra Miller right now, <clears throat> or at least that's so. the same. Ezra Miller's definitely unwell. The other person, Amber Heard, <clears throat> is mm-hmm. also pretty fucking unwell. Um, and I, yeah, it's yeah, just after yeah, the Flash yeah. movie, <laughs> I think because it's it's been so long in development and they would push it back so much further. Um, I would say release this Flash movie and then never hire him again. And maybe put in a scene where Mara dies in Aquaman The Lost Kingdom. That's all I'm saying. What if, if, (laughs) because it's a Flashpoint movie... Actually, funnily enough, this is just tied into what I was just talking about. What if, because it's a Flashpoint movie, (laughs) after, after Barry, you know, fixes the timeline, he wakes up in a rebooted body... (laughs) So they can just like cleanly have a new actor and not have to worry about it. Now that I could get behind. Yeah. I mean, shit. It, if anything, the CW verse, which has been tied to the movie verse at this point because of Ezra Miller, uh, has already done that. They've had three different Supermen, and they all look different. So <laughs> it works. That's out. true. That's true. That's very true. And they, I mean, they did. They united the cinematic universe with the HBO Max universe and the CW universe all in the same show. So yeah. it is, it, anything is possible. But like Rob said, I'd take those rumors with a grain of salt. There's not been any rumors about Amber Heard getting fired, but I feel like she should. Uh, part of my belief in that is Mara wouldn't shit in somebody's bed. Uh, (laughs) But um, past that, I think, I mean, it's all speculation and rumor and and personal opinion there, but uh, I'm sure, you know, sooner or later we're bound to find out. Yeah. Uh, I would also take that that with a grain of salt as well. I don't know if Mira would or would not shit in somebody's bed because if she tried, it would just float away. (laughs) It wouldn't stay there. So it's really hard to tell. Oh, that's gross. She was like, yeah, it was was in the washroom. It just floated out of the toilet. Uh... You can't fucking tell. Rob, we didn't need to go there, man. (laughs) (laughs) Arthur. We need to talk. <laughs> oh, need There's to something talk. you should know. <laughs> oh, 
Mac. Uh, all right. Well, if we're if we're done with uh, with, with poop far. jokes and reboot yeah. questions, I think it's time we uh, <laughs> spin that spotlight around and shine it on some books for this week. They only have two this week, uh, but they are both number ones, and they are both providing some interesting new lenses into corners of the DCU. So to kick us off, we're going to start at the latest book for Milestone, the recently relaunched Milestone, and that is Blood Syndicate number one. This is brought to us by writer Jeffrey Thorne of the current uh, Green Lantern fame, depending on who you ask, with art from Chris Cross? Yes, Chris Um, Cross. Yeah, okay. And inks from Juan Juan Castro with colors from Will Quintana. Um, Hey, you sound like you didn't recognize the name, but uh, Criss Cross has been pretty prevalent as far as art goes in the Milestone universe so far. I feel like I've seen that name, but to be honest, I'm not really well-versed in a ton of the old Milestone artists. I know some of them, obviously Dennis Cowan and J.P. Leone on Static early in the day, but... um, I, I don't. I'm not like an encyclopedic when it comes to it. Um, I'm st- I'm still learning that stuff. Crisscross will um, make you draw, draw. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of things that that I also wasn't very well versed in, uh, I guess that's a, a good way to talk about this first issue because I was kind of confused. Um, I full disclosure, I'm not really that well versed in the Blood Syndicate. I really kind of only focused on static and um, Icon and Rocket and a little bit of hardware here and there. And I knew of Shadow Cabinet as like the premier team of the Milestone universe, but I really didn't know anything about Blood Syndicate. So going into this, I really wasn't well-versed in any of these characters. To be honest, I didn't really know any of them. So I kind of had to do a little bit of searching just to figure out because we're kind of thrown a lot of these characters as if we should know them. And I'm sure... You know, Blood Syndicate fans might recognize them, but I just didn't really know. And, um, it, it, yeah, they, they kind of don't really talk to each other, like, by first names all that much. So I, I, I kind of had trouble keeping track of who the names were. Regardless. The only um, ones, I, I loved Blood Syndicate back in the day. And the only names that I could muster up a memory of was Carlos and Rolando. That 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 yeah. I, so you're not exactly. I, I, I didn't I didn't know that. either of them. So, um, <laughs> but yes, apparently this takes place um, after the two main characters that are introduced into this story, Rolando and um, Hannibal, return from their tour in Sadika and the Persian Gulf. Uh, they were serving in the army over there and I guess had returned home following a successful campaign, uh, though they certainly have seen some stuff that had messed them up. They have a bit of a reunion with an old friend, at least an old friend of Rolando's, but not so much of Hannibal, uh, an old friend by the name of, um, uh, why did I not write this down? Uh, sorry, I, I, I didn't actually get to uh, get to do a formal summary for this one, but yeah, I think... His name is Carlos, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes, sir. The character that they reunite with, um, and they sort of catch up for a little bit, um, return to their neighborhood of Paris Island, which I guess is a suburb in Dakota City. Um, and Carlos is sort of getting Rolando up to speed on everything in Dakota and the fact that things have certainly changed. A lot of the gangs are really stepping up their violence lately. Um, but in particular, Dakota has changed because now they have metahumans. They have superheroes like Icon and Rocket. Although Icon and Rocket aren't as well respected in um, 
Paris Island because I guess people like Carlos see Icon and Rocket as being above the rest of the people in Paris Island. Um, but the rest of the issue is largely just an introduction to the people of Paris Island um, and some of the gangs that are uh, there. And I, I guess they're fighting over some kind of... Uh, I wasn't sure if it was a drug or a chemical. They call it juice, and I didn't really know what that meant, to be honest. Um, but I guess there's some kind of supply of juice that the various gangs, in particular one gang who we meet uh, led by Holocaust, are trying to you know, fight over this, you know, who, who can possess access to this... Um, this, uh, I don't know what it is, I assume some kind of drug called juice. Um, yep. And then that's when we discover following a, a gang, or following a gang drive-by um, that uh, Rolando, as well as Carlos, are metahumans themselves who are able to um, sort of defend themselves from the drive-by before falling into the sewer, or at least Carlos and Rolando in particular fall into the sewer, um, where they're both kind of shocked to discover that both of them are uh, metahumans. Um, yeah, it was, I don't know. I, I feel like as an introduction, it just, it was okay, but I feel like it was really, it was really aimed at someone who is familiar with these characters and is kind of going in with that knowledge um, and understands, I guess, who these characters are supposed to be or, you know, who, who they will later become. Because I, it felt like it was including a lot of cameos and references to people that I should know, but I, I just didn't have any context for it. So it, it really didn't really resonate with me in any way. Um, the art was okay. I didn't really love it, to be honest. Um, it was just, it kind of looked like, like Play-Doh. Um, <laughs> But wow. yeah, it just, I don't know. It was, it was an okay introduction. It, as far as the Milestone books, this is probably my least favorite so far. Um, but to be fair, I you know, really didn't know anything about to the Blood fair. Syndicate. So I was bringing nothing uh, to this book at all. So I ended up giving this a 6.5 out of 10. It was fine. Um, I'll probably check out the second issue just to see where it goes. But um, it was just really confusing and I wasn't really sure what was going on with the whole gangs and the juice and everything and just being introduced to these characters that I feel like I should know, but I just don't. And it kind of doesn't really do anything for me. So 6.5. Fair enough. Uh, I make a suggestion is go back and check out the, uh, the old stuff, man. But I do get what you say. It, that's the one downside that I found to this comic. What was that? It, uh, it does kind of just drop you into uh, their most recent experiences, the war, their, their their time there, and what they had been through. But it doesn't give you a whole lot of who the characters are, and that's about the one one downside that I found to the comic book. I, um, having read Blood Syndicate before and being a fan of it, I read this, I guess, probably pretty biasedly um, coming into it because I did know the characters. It's one hell of a setup issue for me. Um, I did like the art. I uh, just like I love the art and the rest of the milestone titles. Um, I really dig the setup here. I think that it looked good. It read good, and I'm going to assume it will be just like the rest of the imprint and probably continually kick butt. Uh, I am seriously hoping that it's able to change your mind, Brandon, because this this was a good title. I gave it an 8.5. Maybe. I don't know. I just, yeah, I just the lack of context for anything 
um, it just really made it hard to latch on to anything. And I, I just felt like I didn't really care about any of the characters or anything like that. And I think, I think just the art too, like usually I can find something appealing in the art, but I just really didn't dig this art either. So it just, it didn't really offer a whole lot for me, if I'm being honest. Fair enough. What do you think, Rob? I think I didn't get to read it yet, <laughs> uh, only because I honestly, with with all the shit going on right now, I am behind on all my milestone readings. Um, but I am definitely going to catch up because milestone has been amazing so far. So <clears throat> this is a book I'm, I'm definitely going to get to, but I have not had a chance to really check it out yet, unfortunately. Hey, it happens, man. Especially when things like what's going on with you happen. Um. But uh, I guess with that said, and Rob raving about Blood Syndicate, we're going to let him talk about the next one? Yeah, I think we should. So tell us what our next title is. I'll let, I'll let, you, I'll let you introduce this one. I think he's talking to you, Rob. Me? Oh, man, I don't even know how to... <laughs> oh, if only I had sound effects of, like, approaching doom... <laughs> Footsteps, roars, and screams. Ah, <laughs> Jurassic League. Yeah. Oh my God, it's finally here. It slowly approached over the ocean, across the land. And here it is. From writers Juan Gideon and Daniel Warren Johnson, with art from Juan Gideon. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. <clears throat> Colors from Mike Spicer and letters from Farron Delgado. Okay, so. The Jurassic League. What happened in this issue? This is what happened in this issue. Fun personified. That's it. That's all that. It's, it was just. <laughs> it was fan. Just fun. Holy shit. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I had so much fun with this one. You got uh, Jokerzard, Black Mantasaurus, Wonder Dawn, Super Sore, Brontozaro, Batwalker. Giganta, I guess you can't really dinosaur that name. Uh, they didn't really name the Aqua Man. I'm, su- I'm surprised Aquasaur. they go for Gigantosaurus. That would have been perfect. Yeah. And oh, even well. like Growltham City, Trimascara, <laughs> Metropolis is fucking great. Holy shit. But so, yeah, it opens. Batwalker is hunting something, and it turns out to be Jokerzard. And Batwalker gets the edge on. Jokerzard, who was killing, um, I guess, proto-humans. I don't know. I, I don't know if they're they're not really Neanderthals. <clears throat> um, and uh, this probably gets his first Robin. We'll see, because there's a human child left alive, so he's he's going to potentially have a human Robin in this dinosaur <laughs> world. And then we jump over to. <laughs> Excuse me. A beach somewhere where proto humans are enjoying a day out at the beach, but then Black Mantasaurus attacks, and Aquasaur arrives with instead of a bunch of fearsome sea creatures because he's already a fearsome sea creature. He has dolphins. I thought it was a very nice touch. <laughs> but Black Mantasaurus just decks one in the schnoz, and Aquasaur goes ape shit and just starts beating the shit out of him. Uh, but then. We go to Trimascara, where a young Wonder Dawn is having visions of all these people beating each other up. Sorry, dinosaurs beating each other up. And her mother brings her to this chamber that features a giant dinosaur version of Ares. 
and explains to her that they have a violent history, but they fought for peace, and now, with her visions, she must go out into the world and help save it with the weapons and skills she has brought to the table, and she gets on a pteranodon and flies off into the sky, and we go to Metropolis, where Supersaur, uh, now grown up, uh, is helping protect his parents and the people that he brought to this now safeguarded city, but before they get too far into their freshly constructed wall, Giganta and Brontozaro bust it down, looking to attack and eat people. It, it was wild. Holy crap. Uh, <laughs> 9 out of 10. <laughs> I'm not even joking. It is. I, I said before, I look for difference in comic books. I look for fun in comic books. I look mm-hmm. for that, that fresh take. And this was really just a silly book. And that's all it is. It's just silly, fun stuff. And it's right up my alley. Uh, the art was interesting. Uh, it's got some nice touches to it with the designs. Uh, the different names are, are quite interesting. I'm curious to see who else we're going to see. In one of Wonder Dawn's visions, we did see a Flash and Green Lantern dinosaur. I can't imagine how the hell a Green Lantern dinosaur will work, <laughs> but we'll find out for sure. <laughs> like if, if one of your favorite things to do with Dark Knights of Steel is just see all the characters Tom Taylor's bringing in, you're going to have a blast with this book, too. Definitely check yeah. it out. Yeah, it's been really fun seeing a lot of these characters reimagined. Um, I didn't have a lot to say about this one. It just it reminded me of a Saturday night or Saturday morning cartoon um, yeah. in the best ways. <laughs> it was just really goofy and really fun. And watching like you know the um, bat dinosaur run around um, and and just like be on a case <laughs> with like the narration yeah. that Batman would normally have was just oh, it was like. It, it was just so funny and just so it put a smile on my face. I'm not gonna lie, like it, it was just, it was juvenile but in the best way. Um, yeah. I, I think is is what I can say. And I, I agree, the art is uh, is really interesting, and I think some of the designs are actually really cool. Like I would love to see action figures of these. Oh, that'd be amazing. I can get the whole. I, I definitely need an action figure of the uh, of uh, what is it? Super dinosaur. Oh, super sore, Yeah. Yeah, Super Sore. I, I need a, I need an action figure of Super Sore um, or the Bat Dinosaur. I think at the very least there's going to be the, uh, the Batman one. Yeah. What? Did you give it a score, Brandon? Oh, yeah. No, I gave this one an 8.5 out of 10. It was it was just really fun. And, like, um, I, I wasn't really going to grade it too seriously, honestly. It's just, like, yeah, this is – I know exactly what this is, and it's fun. Yeah. Fair enough, again. Um, this was the first book that I read this week because I went into it with the whole attitude of basically like what y'all said, Saturday morning cartoons and just silly fun. Um, how I ended was thinking that the coloring was pretty great. Um, I couldn't stand, I can't, I cannot stand the font style that was used in here. I can't stand it when it's used for the Scarecrow. I can't stand it when it's used for the Joker. I mean, you can change the color, but you don't have to make the letters hard to read. Maybe it's just because I'm 400 years old, but that's what it did for me. Um, 405. 405. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, 403, you jerk. But uh, (laughs) um, 
I feel like the, the inks were okay, but I found a lot of inconsistency going on. And as far as the story goes, I'm... As far as I'm sure nearly everyone thinks it is, I had to check and see how many pages were left twice. Um, the premise for me was just really blah. The Dinosaur Justice League could have been fun, um, but it was there, there was a lot of stuff that I just... Maybe it was just me, but I couldn't keep track of. Uh, that part where Batman's with the human people, I couldn't figure out if that was supposed to be his parents. Um... I couldn't figure out what the relationship was with the super dinosaur, whatever their damn names were, super sword. Um, ultimately, though, I, I I thought it was pretty pointless, and um, I couldn't get into it. It just it was not fun for me. And then the names of everyone and everything, like Grawltham and 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 and, and the rest, um, Joker's art. Uh, it only pulled me further away from the story. I, I couldn't get into it, man. Like, how could you not with, like growl them? That's with, just, with that's just gold, man. I thought that was good. <laughs> that's, that's, that's just gold. I um, wish I could be that clever. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. I feel like it wasn't that clever and no, not, not slamming Daniel, uh, Daniel Warren Johnson by any stretch because he's an amazing writer but this just was so far off of center for me I, I couldn't get behind it and it ended up garnering me it I ended up giving it a 5 out of 10 ooh bummer well then <laughs> I'll give you that some of the the superhero names for the dinosaurs maybe a little lackluster there's only so many different ways you can give a a punny dinosaur name but i, I thought the city names were really on the yeah. on the money metropolis <laughs> oh yeah. i i don't know I, I i was with you rob i just there, there was something that was just like so fun about it that like i just i just kind of steered into this kid i was like yeah all right i'm with you jurassic league I'll yes. I'll take your Crowfum <laughs> cities and your metropolises. I had a very strong feeling I was going to be alone on this one. I fully expected you two to love it. <laughs> I, I wish I wish there was a way I could modulate my voice so when I say metropolis, I could have like the screech from like Jurassic Park. So it's oh, like metro, and then it's like <clears throat> and then polis. <laughs> but I, I can't do that because it's impossible. Oh. That'd be so cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well, if we're done with the spotlights for this week, we are going to take a quick commercial break, but we will be right back. So stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. Hope that wasn't too terrible. Now we are going to get into our regular reviews for this week. And kicking it off, we're going to take a little trip over to Gotham City with a detour in the hill with Batgirls number six, the final part in the one way or another opening arc of this title. This was brought to us by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad on writing with art from Jorge Corona, and colors from Sarah Stern, and letters from Becca Carey. When we last left our heroes, each one was in a bit of a different situation. Barbara was being held captive of the Spellbinder, Steph was fighting off Tudor, and Cass was trying to hold back the angry mob that had surrounded... 
<coughs> excuse me, that had surrounded Grace O'Halloran as she was giving her weird and, frankly, psychedelic broadcast about Gotham City breaking free of the bat mold. So all of our Batgirls have assignments, but can they turn them in on time? Well, they're much better than me, so I think they can handle it. Uh, Babs makes quick work of Mr. Spellbinder, uh, quickly disarming him and dealing with the gas with virtually no problems at all, setting up the rest of the live stream and revealing to the world that this Spellbinder was none other than Mr. Charles Dante, which of course we already knew, but now the world will know that the man is a fraud who had been manipulating the people at Arkham, specifically the patients, to fall in line with his horrible ideology. Steph is able to get the upper hand on Tudor as well, despite a little bit of difficulty there, and we get a great moment with Steph during Tudor where she really accepts who she is, broken with all flaws, but still willing to fight the good fight. Cass, in particular, <clears throat> is able to save Grace O'Halloran as she takes one little clumsy step off of the tower and nearly falls to death. Um, that's when we reveal our plots intersect that Tudor had arranged for a bomb to explode in Gotham City because there's always a bomb. There has to be. And Steph is on the case making sure that the bomb will be taken away to a safe distance, which unfortunately means they'll have to drive it far, far away in their new glorious muscle car, Bondo. And yes, that means that Bondo had to be sacrificed. I know, I'm sure we're all crying tears. Um, let, let, let us all have a moment of silence and pour one out for Bondo the muscle car. You will be missed greatly. Uh, but thankfully, they're able to get the bomb safely away without any serious damage to the citizens of Gotham. Back at the loft, the Batgirls are weighing in on the whole situation. Even though they feel like the world is kind of upside down right now and Gotham City is, quite frankly, in a terrible, terrible place, they're happy that they at least have each other, Cass in particular. Um, we find out that Grace O'Halloran has finally brought some clarity to the situation regarding the Batgirls, that they are no longer the villains that the media had been reporting them to be, but are, in fact, heroes. Uh, and that is the double truth. Uh, but before we wrap up mm -hmm. for the night, <laughs> before we, uh, no one's going to get that reference. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, before we wrap for the night, uh, the Batgirls, as they are watching Grace O'Halloran's broadcast, see a brief interruption and are ready to fight off the seer, who they know is the cause of this, before the seer reveals that she's not there to fight, but in fact is there for the Batgirl's help. Um, I really like this issue. I actually really like this ending, to be honest. Um, I, I know we've kind of had our thoughts about Batgirls as a, as a whole, and I, I will admit that the series really did start in kind of a rocky place and just trying to find out where it wanted to be tonally. But I have to say, these last two or three issues have been really, really great. And um, I think it's just given us a lot of great moments with the Batgirls in particular, which is fitting for the title, um, but I think especially with Steph and Cass, who feel like they finally settled into the right voices, like the writers are just getting more comfortable writing um, these characters and how they interact and, mm -hmm. um, you know, just how they are. Um, and I think that, for, for me at least, is the highlight of the issue. The story itself is, you know, it, it is what it is. Like, it's something really deep, and the Spellbinder thing is fun, but I'm not going to pretend like it's going to blow your mind or anything, but I think... Really, it feels like the the story and the, well, not the story, but the writers in particular have finally settled into the voices for these characters, and those have, 
finally begun to shine um, throughout the series. Uh, and Jorge Corona, as always, is really great at bringing the action, um, but also the, the more tender moments as well. Um, and, and shout out to Sarah Stern. These colors are just really amazing. Like I, I had to stop after the scene where Bondo explodes because um, it was just a really gorgeous color palette, that explosion. Um, but yeah, I, I have to say, like, I'm no, I, I just thought this was Buondo. A Buondo. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> he said, well, there'll be a, the next arc will deal with the ghost of the muscle car, and uh, that'll be very entertaining. Um, but no, I, I think like this was just a really solid wrap up to this arc, and for the first time, I actually feel like I'm excited to, to follow the rest of the series. Um, and I don't know what's going to happen next with Seer and everything, but honestly, I'm here for it. So I actually gave this one an 8.5 out of 10. I was really, really happy with it. Well, I had not considered this whatsoever, but now that you brought it up, I am really looking forward to Bondo, The Dark Car Returns. <laughs> Yes. You can't just build a new car. That's that's disrespectful. Like you know, oh, this yeah, car was is. a part of your. This car was a part of your heart. Like you you gotta you know, you gotta pay your respects. You can't just it's it's like when your dog dies. You don't just get a new one immediately. Yeah. They're not just replaceable. Yeah. No. Your first car should always hold a special place in your heart. Exactly. But as, even as if it plays all star. On repeat forever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if we if we follow that same suit of the the dark car returns, then realistically it would be a muscle car. Oh, but um, wow. Yeah, where's where's our rim shot? Oh, that would be the perfect what? time for the booze. <laughs> uh. <laughs> thank um, you, thank you. I'll be here all week. Yeah, try to be as as yeah. far as this issue goes. Um, Dark car returns aside, uh, I think it's keeping on track, uh, same as last issue, which is good. For the first three, I want to almost say three and a half issues, it was kind of like Brandon said, tonally a little all over the place. It felt serious and juvenile at the same time. Mm-hmm. For the last three and a half issues, two and a half issues, it has not been. Um, I am disappointed that Spellbinder was wrapped up that fast, but it didn't bother me too much because he wasn't such an integral part of the plot. I almost feel like it was just a little bit of fan service. Um, The art felt a little less than what I'm used to in this title, but not by much. Uh, I firmly believe that this title probably isn't going to be making anyone's book of the year, but it is definitely enjoyable. Don't judge it from the first couple of issues because I promise it gets way better. Um, yeah. I gave this a seven. I'm, out a, of I'm actually, yeah, I'm I'm actually really excited to reread this first arc. Like it's it's weird that I say that sometimes, but I'm I plan on revisiting this like soon, um, just because I I want to see if I maybe have a different opinion reading it as a whole rather than reading it monthly. Because um, I, I did feel like it really did pick up these last couple issues and has become much more consistent. Oh, yeah, 100% agree. Rob, did you like Batgirls? Yeah. I, I actually enjoyed it. The art, this issue, is starting to grow on me. It definitely had some charms, and I think <clears throat> a lot of that is due to what Brandon was saying. Uh, the colors were really well done. That explosion scene was 
uh, quite good. If only I didn't accidentally see the last page before I finished reading the issue, <laughs> that that whole potential Steph death scene might have actually had more impact for me. <laughs> Except I knew she was in the end of the issue, so I knew that she wasn't actually going to die. Um, so I kind of <laughs> spoiled myself there. Uh, but I, I respect that it was definitely an interesting take on uh, the way the way the arc ended. Um, yeah, I can also definitely agree. Don't judge it by the first few issues because I did, uh, and it definitely does get better. Uh, I am hoping that the next arc is more interesting as a whole. Uh, we'll definitely see. I did not see Seer uh, going on a face turn, so. <clears throat> we'll we'll definitely see it's uh, this uh, i gave a 7.5 it's a respectable and a decent issue uh for a pretty fun series Mm-hmm. i agree all right what's up next next we have uh i am batman number nine so we're not straying too far from gotham city although wait you're batman wait no oh crap wait, I, I literally forgot they were in new york for a second i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it's just because uh, i'm well we'll get into that later but anyway i, I am wow i botched that transition i am batman <laughs> number nine which i'm going to pass over to josh um to uh to give us the recap I am Batman, comma, not the Batman. Number nine, written by John Ridley with Christian Deuce. Someday I'm going to figure out how to say his last name. I don't want to call him Deuce because I watch Family Guy far too much. I think it's Duce. I want to say it's okay, Duce. Okay, right. um, yeah. that, would, that would work better. Um, Christian Duce and uh, Stephen Segovia and Rex Locus on art with Troy Pateri on lettering for my larger world studio and that nice looking cover from Segovia and Rob is from Segovia and Romulo Fiardo Jr. Uh, in this book Jace has a bit of an issue with the beating he was given by Man Ray and he is taking it out on criminals. Chubbs isn't exactly the biggest fan of that and does say as much. Batman kind of brushes it off though and uh, in a manner that I thought was pretty enjoyable. There's a whole lot of fallout from the police commissioner being murdered and revealed to everyone as a crooked cop, racist, and misogynist. Uh, That came from Man Ray, who doesn't make an appearance in this issue. Well, I mean, there's like a super really brief cameo, but he is definitely the main focus. Chubbs is being closely watched by a lot of people in the department, mostly by Detective Keenan and his cronies who she happened to find going through her computer looking for files about the Bat Squad. Um, meanwhile, Jace reaches out to Hadia to help, for help with finding out who the killer is without telling her why. And she's like, okay, no problem. Uh, that is where we officially start calling him Man Ray, named after a surrealist artist from after, that came about after World War One. Using that info that he got from Hadia, he is able to make a narrow list of suspects. They go out and investigate, and they get the right one on the first try. It seems Man Ray isn't there, but they do find something else pretty interesting. Man Ray only murders corrupt people. What they find is a bunch of pictures of the man that brought Batman into the force and put charge, put Chubbs in charge of the police on that squad. 
and that person is none other than New York City's very own mayor. Before I you get into your review, I just I just have to say it's it's Chubb, not Chubbs. Oh, is it Chubbs? Oh, yeah, sorry. it's Chubb. Chubb. Oh wow, Chubbs is Chubb sounds like a dog name. I think it actually is, but um, it's, it might it's, be. It's, yeah, it's Chubb. Okay, sorry, Chubb. Didn't mean to do that for you. Uh, <laughs> I <laughs> whoops. Um, <laughs> I Am Batman really needs to be careful here um, because it is dangerously leaning into being a really great book. After what was a really rocky start, in my opinion, the book has just become so much better since he left Gotham. This has turned into a great read, and if it continues this trend, it will be a must-read. All that about the story and the dialogue, and that's not counting the art, which I really, really, really enjoy here. It's good and a good match for this Batman book. I am so glad it got so much better because I was really behind this title when it started. It dipped for me, but now it is back and better than ever. I sure am digging it. I gave I Am Batman number 9 an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, this one got a 7 out of 10 for me. Um, I I think I just realized I hate reading this book as a monthly. It it sucks. Um, that's it. <laughs> um, Tell us how you no, really feel. No, it's it's just no, it's it's just it's really boring, honestly. Like as a monthly read, it just it feels. I, I said it in Discord yesterday. Um, but just as a monthly, it's just incredibly plotting and boring, and it feels like it's restating things that at this point should be obvious like yes jace is trying to redefine himself i get it you've been saying that for the past four fucking issues i know like come <laughs> on man i get it like how, how much are you gonna brood i know you're trying to be batman but you don't have to repeat yourself like 15 times um but aside from that it just i don't know it feels like aside from the reveal at the end there's really not a lot that's anchoring me to this um and it, it's just for me, it's just a really boring read. Like I, I just I got to be honest. Like I had a I kind of had a hard time getting through this one because I, I felt like there was nothing that was driving me to finish it. It was just like okay, I, I kind of have to because we have to talk about it. But otherwise, I probably would have stopped like halfway through because it was just a bunch of scenes of you know talking between characters that I'm not really that interested in that I probably could be if the pacing was a little bit better but quite frankly it just doesn't offer that much you know in terms of um connecting me with these characters um so yeah honestly it just yeah it wasn't that bad but I I, I dig the art from especially from Duce I do think that's really good Stagovia I can kind of take it or leave it um but you know otherwise aside from some really cool art and I still really like Jace's design. It's just really boring. So seven out of ten. Originally got a six point five, but it's a nice day today, so I decided to round it up. Well, thank you, Sunshine. <laughs> um, I, for the record, yeah. I wasn't calling Brandon Sunshine. <laughs> Sunshine. Oh, I'll take it. I could use a new nickname. Uh, yeah, I, I still really like the New York setting. It's the New York City setting, sorry. I, I don't know if that's a tourist thing, but as a, a polite Canadian, I'm trying to really get that difference in New York State. New York City is a city. Did I do yeah, it right? It don't matter. 
Okay. Good. If you say New York, everybody thinks you're talking about New York City anyway. Yeah, pretty All much. Right. In New York, uh, it's doing well. It's doing well in <clears throat> in that setting. But I still feel like the story is taking a long time to get to where it wants to be. Uh, we are still getting a lot of the Fox family just complaining. Uh, just the whole family. It's not even just Jace. The whole family is just brooding about stuff. Uh, yeah. Their, their mom is actually trying to do something, but we're only getting a page or two per issue of her doing anything. And I have no idea what it is she's supposed to be doing. But she's just meeting people and yelling a lot. And then all the kids are just saying, no, you got to help each other out. But then the next issue, the person that said that needs to be told that. And it's it's just taken a damn long time to really get anywhere. Because while we may have the new city setting, and that's working for Jason's Batman, the Fox family has been doing this for nine bloody issues. So <laughs> it's, it's really more like thirteen definitely. if you count the Second Son miniseries. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, so it's it, that part is going really slowly. So I hope that gets to catch up soon. Uh, that being said, though, I still really enjoyed this issue. And this whole arc with Man Ray, I think, is is interesting. But it, the the fact that we're just kind of recycling some of the the character moments is making it feel really slow. So I gave it an eight out of ten. Because uh, I'm still really enjoying the series, but I hope their character growth just shows up soon. Maybe it got lost in the mail when they were in the transition from Gotham <laughs> to New York. Like, I hear the U.S. Postal Service is not the greatest. No, so. It got returned to sender, but it's uh, they're trying to they're trying to remail it again. Okay. All right, Lucy you heard it here, everybody. Fox family, Rob wants you to get your shit together. <laughs> just just pick it up a little bit like okay yeah. we get it you're sad like are you going to do something or are you just going to the shit yeah. yeah are you going to are you going to do something with that or, or are we just going to read about you saying I'm sad for 12 issues like this isn't a Tom King book come on man yeah. like pick it up <laughs> oh I'll, I'll get damn you. Oh. <laughs> yeah there we go thank you thank you to quote my one of my one of the oldest best YouTubers in existence, I give you three items: a straw, a bridge, and a full cup. Who are straw you, MacGyver? So you can suck it up. A bridge, so you can get over it, and a full cup, so you can shut the full cup. <laughs> oh shit! I'm gonna have to remember that one. <laughs> Ryan Higa, if you listen. Best thing you ever oh made, my though. god, uh, that's that's even better Ryan than Higa the acronym for focus. <laughs> and what was that? I said no, I just said I wish Ryan than... Higa. Oh no, I, I, I just said I wish Ryan Higa would come back. Still oh, making yeah. videos, but oh well. I think that that's even better than the acronym for focus. I learned a few years ago off of YouTube. Oh. It's uh. Fuck off because you're stupid. <laughs> you, do you guys watch um, the the thick of it at all? You know that show. On I have caught some of it. Yeah, no. My my favorite is um, Nomfup, not my fucking problem. I like it. I like it. 
Malcolm Tucker, I love you. You've taught me so much. <laughs> Mostly swears, but you taught me so much. <laughs> you got to learn it from somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, if we're if we're through making jokes, let's uh, let's shift our attention to another city, one that is, I would say, definitely a lot better than New York City or Gotham, and that is, of course, Metropolis with Superman, Son of Kal-El, number eleven, which I will pass over to Rob. All right. So this is from writer Tom Taylor, with art by Chien Tormi. Uh, colors from Federico, Federico Blee and Matt Herms. I always say Federico. It's Federico Blee and Matt Herms with letters from Dave Sharp and a very nice cover from Travis Moore and Tamara Bonvillane. <clears throat> so John is reeling from the news Batman gave him last issue to not trust Jane Nakamura. He's not taking that well and actually stands up to Batman, uh, but he then turns to Nightwing for some advice. And as Dick tells him, instead of playing detective like Batman, he should be the late that he is and just go talk to Jay. So John does that, and Jay quickly catches on to what's going on in John's mind. Uh, he is helping the retaliators, he admits, but they're not what Batman thinks. Jay goes on to explain the retaliators' adventures with the Suicide Squad, as previously seen in Tom Taylor's short-lived Suicide Squad series, and how they had bombs put in their heads to make them do things against their will. This then makes John think about the situation he has with the new metas and how they might be controlled by Bendix. So John races off to Justice League headquarters where Flash has the Burning Man under lock and key. And Burning together Man. they just... Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I could not remember the guy's name, but I didn't get a chance to look it up before uh, I wrote this. No, uh, okay. So, yeah. It works. Um... But every time I wrote Burning Man, I was thinking the same thing. They're at a concert. So, uh, <laughs> Maybe John should go to Burning Man after this. <laughs> could use a break. Yeah. Uh, so together they discover that there is an implant which allows Bendix to control the people, or the, to control the person and see what's going on through their eyes. And after the atom goes in to deactivate the implant chip, Bendix is alerted of tampering and then goes on the offensive. Uh, now activating his, the man's powers, <clears throat> uh, John flies a Burning Man high up into the sky where there is very little oxygen, and using his multitude of visions, destroys the implant. Bendix, seeing this all happen through the eyes of the person, goes straight to Lex Luthor to start the next phase early, kill Superman. So I'm happy they get past this don't trust Jay thing. He's too precious for this world. Don't do not do that. He should not be a bad guy. Uh, and Lex has got to have a backup plan. Nobody forces Lex Luthor to do something he doesn't want to do because he did not seem ready or willing to go to that step of the plan right then and there. And I feel like he's going to say big F you to Bendix because uh, <laughs> I'm not ready for this. I have my own plans as I've been popping up in every other book in the DC Universe right now. So, uh, that's that's what I think is going to happen. As for this issue, I, it was really good. Uh, I think 8.5 8 out of 10, I'll say, right now. Um, the art, I'm, I'm really digging. The faces are a little off, though, I find. John and Jay's faces look exactly the same. It's a little off-putting. Um, but apart from that, I, I fairly enjoy the rest. Um, 
good cameos from the Adam uh, and and Wally West. I thought that was a, a nice touch. We haven't seen the Adam in a long time, but I'm unsure which Adam that was. I can never remember whose costume was who. Um, You're not alone, me either. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's really hard to tell with that costume. Um, yeah, just, I, I think it's solid issue all around. I'm curious to see where it's going still. Uh, it's one I look forward to every month. I think they're doing good work, uh, and yeah, I don't know what else to say. Like even when I was even writing this, I, I I say the same thing every month. I feel for Son of Kal-El. I enjoy it. John's a good fit. Keep up the good work. Mm-hmm. That last description is sort of where my problem with this book is starting to form. It really cropped up in this last issue, and I think now I'm really starting to feel it, which is the book is fine. Like, on a, on a competency level, I don't know if that's the right way to use that. Um, like, uh, everything about the book is, is fine, but it, it just, it's not really, like, I don't know. It's just not really doing anything for me anymore. Like, it's just a very okay book at this point like the first six issues I felt like I was really sort of getting into you know John's direction but ever since like probably issue eight I feel like well minus the crossover with Nightwing I just feel like it's kind of stagnated and now it's just kind of okay like it's it's almost like you had a delicious meal for the first six months and now you're just kind of like eh, yeah okay I, I know what it tastes like now I, I'm kind of used to it it's not really special anymore um, so yeah, it's, I don't know, it's fine, like, I, to be honest, I finished the issue and I kind of forgot about it, because, like, it just felt like a very whatever thing, aside from the last page reveal with Lex, but, yeah, I don't know, it was just, like, it's, it was a very okay issue, I don't really have anything special to say about it, um, the art is okay as well, so yeah, all around okay, um, <laughs> I will give it an okay out of ten, which is probably like a seven and a half. All right. Um, uh, for me, the, the Alfred and Kent's connection, uh, talking to each other cause I can't talk to anybody else. I, I, I really can't believe it's never been said before, but it makes sense and I love it. Um, mm-hmm. now as far as the J thing goes, Batman doesn't trust him because he's with the revolutionaries. Uh, that's the people who were left alive at the end of Tom Taylor's suicide run, run Batman of all people should know that they aren't bad people. But then again, Bruce tends to be a little black and white. Um, it's, I think it's a good continuation of the story. It moved the plot forward and I thought the art was great and it looked good doing it. As far as I'm concerned, the book continues to be pretty good and the dialogue, the way the voices are represented, I think is fantastic. I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Contrary to everybody else. I enjoyed it. I gave it an 8.5. Oh. I don't know why I thought I heard you say 7. Yeah, no, I was the one who was kind of lukewarm on this one. Weird. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. uh, But with all that said, we're going to get into our last issue for this week. That is Wonder Woman 787, start of a new arc, post-trial of the Amazons. Josh, take it away. All right, this one is also written by Becky Cloonan, Michael W. Conrad, who took care of a book earlier. The art team is made up of Emanuela Lupacino, Wade Von Grabadger, and Tamara Von Villain, all of who I usually like, and uh, lettering is from Pat Brasso. 
wrapped in a cover from Nunique Paquette and Nathan Fairbairn. Uh, this issue starts off with Diana taking all of the blame for the attack, uh, the blame coming from her and accepted by her. Uh, though she feels responsible and knows that it must be done, she looks around and doesn't want to help rebuild Themyscira. Uh, Nubia walks up, says the same thing, and Diana says, I understand, I shall keep your words close to my heart. That's what she said, but what I think she was thinking is, saw weed, I didn't want to be here anyway. Um, <laughs> so, uh, after a little while, Diana dives underwater and finds Altum the survivor. And can I just throw in here that I feel like Tynan made that name up? Uh, she finds Altum in his submarine <laughs> and starts, she, she rips the hole open, starts to pummel him. She wraps the lasso of truth around his neck and forces him to remember the truth. Altum was one of many souls damned to Tartarus who fought for the gods suicide squad style and they all died except for Altum who hid from them, not Altum the survivor, but rather Altum the champion of hide and seek. He knows the truth now. <laughs> and, well, I mean, really, if you can hide from gods. Exactly. Yeah, really. Um, but uh, he, he knows the truth now instead of the lie that he had been feeding himself. And now he wants to die in the flooding sub. It's flooding because when Diana found it, she punched a hole through the hole. Good um, job, Diana. Right? Altum decides he wants to go down with the ship. And Diana, uncharacteristically, decides to let him. Over to Steve Trevor, who is now besties with Diana's other boyfriend, Siggy, which is so weird. And I know that her and Steve aren't together anymore, but still, I felt like it was really weird. Anyway, they get picked up by Etta Candy. While driving, someone throws milk at them from atop a bridge. Etta gets called a cow, so now it's time to fight. Not after getting your car vandalized by someone on a bridge. So the three of them go after the milk throwers, and we find out that Dr. Zisco was mind-controlling them. One jumps off the bridge, but Diana shows up just in time to save him. And now they're all at Checkmate headquarters, where Steve, Etta, and Siggy work, and they've been keeping an eye on Sisko. They know he's more powerful, but not how or why. Next... We go to Cisco himself, who is broadcasting on public access TV, you know, that stuff no one watches, and on DC's uh, version of YouTube, and he's spreading a lot of crap about control being an illusion and how great something called Milk Extra is. Apparently he does this every day at 6 p.m., which, I mean, honestly, that seems a little bit excessive, doesn't it? Etta and Diana are talking about Cisco, then make their way to Etta telling Diana that Steve Trevor has been seeing someone, though he's rather tight-lipped about it, and she seems a little bothered by that. Meanwhile, over at Cisco's house, we, seem, we see that he's put together a team made up of Dr. Poison, Professor Calculus, two people called the Twin Shadows, we only get to see the outline of them, and finally, the last Wonder Woman clone that Cisco has named Sweetheart. This is a pretty crappy team of F-list villains. And their collective name, as deemed by Cisco, because of course there has to be one, 
is Villainy Incorporated. And I feel like that's a rather unimpressive name given the huge story about Deathstroke in a little book called Deathstroke Inc. As in Deathstroke Incorporated. Um, honestly, I'm not really sure what to say, y'all. This read like stale bread. Nothing is yeah. interesting <laughs> at all in this issue. And though some of it is good... I like the first ten pages. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. uh, some, some of it is good. I'm, I'm not huge on the art either. Uh, the fact that I have this weird feeling that milk is going to be a big factor in this arc is fucking dumb. Uh, after what was a hell of a run with the trials, in my opinion... Uh, this was a major letdown, major enough of a letdown for me to give it a five Damn. out of ten. I almost gave this one a five because, like I said, I liked the first ten pages of this book, which was wrapping up Trial of the Amazons. And it was actually a really, like, I didn't know anything about Altum or anything that I did. I'd kind of forgotten, to be honest. Um, but I actually was like, yeah, this is, this feels like a good way to wrap it up, like, you kind of get an understanding of where this this villain is coming from, even if his you know actions are, are um, terrible. Um, and I felt like Diana leaving, like that moment at the end where Diana leaves and sort of lets Altum just die, um, while sort of uh, some would say out of character for Wonder Woman. I, I saw it as a almost a mercy. Um, and I felt like that would have been such a great ending for this issue. Like just leave that, like just that silent panel of Diana swimming off. Boom, end. But we have to go into this, I don't even know what to call it. Like, stupid doesn't even feel right enough. I, this was the only issue that I actually wrote notes for, like reaction notes. And the main Psychic thing that I put milk. was... Psychic yeah, milk. The, the, the main thing that I put was, like, this milk plot literally feels like something out of Doom Patrol. And right. it is so out of place with Wonder Woman, I... I I, I legitimately couldn't even believe that it was here. Like this, this felt like a like a Grant Morrison plot, which would have been great in Doom Patrol, where it's the world's strangest heroes. But in Wonder Woman, especially after an arc where they just dealt with all the Amazons coming together, all the tribes coming together, like I would have wanted a, an issue that just sort of wraps all that up. But we didn't get that. We had to tie into this just insane ridiculous plot line with Dr. Sisko and I just couldn't of care less. It is, Wars. It, it is just so stupid. Um, and again, maybe it would have worked in a book that is meant to be stupid, but this is not that, especially for a story that felt like it was so serious. Um, the best Rob thing I can say about like this... like he's and, never heard of the Milk Wars before. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a fun arc. Um, <laughs> yeah, the... I, I actually disagree. I do think the art in this issue was really good. Like, the colors from Tarrant Bonvillain were just amazing. Like, I, I actually had to stop yeah. halfway through because I was like, my God, this palette is just gorgeous. Like, I, I've been a huge fan of, of Tamara's colors, you know, through and through, whether it was in yeah. Doom Patrol or in Once in Future. But, like, it just every once in a while I see some of her stuff. I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, you are just amazing. You're a wizard with colors. Yeah, um, and but, I can't think of the last time I saw her name on a book that I didn't enjoy the colors. Justice League, but we don't have to uh, talk about that. Um, well, enjoy the colors, anyway, not the book. Enjoy the colors. I, so. Yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy the colors <laughs> and I enjoy the art. I didn't like the book. Anyway, um, yeah, I just reading the first like half of this issue 
felt like I was being deceived. Like I was getting this great wrap up for Trial of the Amazons and then we're thrown into this insane plot, which was just, it was so jarring. I was, it was almost like infuriating, but whatever. Anyway, I, I, I feel like this issue was just kind of a waste and it was setting up for an arc that I quite frankly don't really care about. Maybe the next issue will be better. I'll feel like I care more, but this milk plot is just so ridiculously dumb that I don't even give a shit. So this one got a six out of 10 for me. Um, it really, it was just saved by like the wrap up with Altum, which I wish they had, you know, kind of stretched that out a little bit more, and uh, the art from uh, Lupacino and Bonvalain and Grawbadger. So yeah. Yeah, I, I I gotta add in here. I don't know if any of y'all have ever seen BBC's Misfits before, but um, the, it's been okay. on my radar for a while. It's excellent. At least the first three yeah. seasons. If you don't make it yeah, through the yeah. fourth, I won't blame you. But um, there's a, there's a there's a, a villain in there that uses milk, and I it, when I when I read that, I was like, holy shit! That, that's the first thing that came to mind. Uh, that <laughs> villain is completely ridiculous too. Speaking of villains, isn't there any way that we can get Wonder Woman new ones or? I don't know, have her go up against Grail, somebody deserving of a Wonder Woman story instead of fucking Dr. Poison. Yeah, I really don't care about Dr. Cisco anymore or Dr. No, Psycho. Who the hell does? Yeah. The only people who like it's Cisco so are the annoying. ones that are watching the Harley and Ivy cartoon. Yeah, than, yeah and he's that, but he's like played yeah. as a laugh there. Plus he's played by Toby yeah. Hale, who's awesome. Awesome, but, right? Um, uh, yeah. All, this whole team is ridiculous. Um, the Wonder Woman clone is ridiculous. Professor Calculus is ridiculous. Um, I'm assuming the two people called the Twin Shadows are going to be, wait for it, ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I, I feel, I just, there, there's so many, so many different routes they could go with the Wonder Woman story, and they don't need to keep dragging out these dumbass villains that are from her rogues gallery um for lack of a better word there's there's a lot better options out there and what the hell is stopping people from inventing new ones i mean christ brian michael bendis did it every fourth issue i i would have just taken an arc of of wonder woman like post-trial hunting down some monsters like it's not great but it's simple and it's effective and done well it could be enjoyable it's not the most deep thing ever, but hey, it would have been better than a fucking art with Dr. Psycho. Like, who even For cares? Sure. I, I assume I that we would be seeing Diana going after Artemis. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that yeah, that that too. I don't uh, I don't know. I just I feel like post trial, like there's just so much wasted potential, but whatever. Fucking right. Yeah. Fucking right. Which is well, I think I think it was why, like I don't want to harp on it too much, but I think that's why it was just this issue in particular was just so frustrating because it felt like those first ten issues, like, oh wow, we're really gonna get like a kind of a solid, you know, coda to, to trial. Like this will be really good. Like it'll put Diana in a different place. No, we're doing Doctor Psycho now. It's uh-huh. like okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, really. I guess. Yeah. It would have been better to leave him in the first story arc and just there and he's he's not a villain that can hold a giant long multiple story arc tale it's no he's he's not big enough uh, i mean that in stature and importance i can't remember the word <laughs> oh, man, when it comes remember. to cisco rob <laughs> 
<laughs> when it comes to Cisco, yeah. I have to implement my Chucky argument. Retention. How in the fuck can yeah. Chucky kill that many people when he's two foot tall? Just kick him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you don't see him coming is the thing. You don't see him coming. He's, he, he's there in the, in the dark of night or something like that. <laughs> now, it's like, now it's sounding like the dark car returns. Yeah. <laughs> um, this whole all tomb the survivor thing, I'm I'm seriously disappointed with this ending for his story, because they I they know. I think his his intro was the annual, and there was a whole big story of, you know, his people were the previous owners of Themyscira, and the Amazons took it from them, and there's some deep dark history going on, and there was nothing there, and then he made a brief cameo appearance during trials where he was talking to some shadowy figure, blew a horn. And the arena exploded. <laughs> and next we see he's just a lonely guy. All his people are dead. And the lasso of truth makes him want to kill himself. What the fuck? <laughs> we didn't even find out who this this person or thing he was talking to was. <clears throat> the mother of all there. monsters. And or chaos. Or what it something? was? Maybe. I think it was chaos. But that was so vague. Yeah, like, that was... <clears throat> even during trial, when... Wonder Woman just like it's chaos. Like, where the fuck did that come from? How, one, how did you figure that out? Two, where was chaos this whole bloody time? Three, why is chaos doing all this? I know chaos, but why? <laughs> it's, if it's if just, I remember from trial, it was because I guess Diana at some point had made a promise that she was going to rescue him from the graveyard of the gods or some shit like that. I don't. Yeah, I don't really remember. Who knows? It's really weird. I, I was just very disappointed by the end of Altoom's story. Um, I, I thought there was going to be a lot more to it, and maybe it would have been a hell of a lot more interesting besides, uh, instead of Dr. Psycho, of all bloody characters. Yeah. Uh, the budgeting bromance between uh, Siegfried and <clears throat> Steve Trevor I think is quite nice. I think it's an interesting note. and a, It's cute. Uh, breath of fresh air from the typical uh, jealous boyfriends trope that you get a lot. Um, or I guess jealous significant others. It's not gender exclusive being jealous. So uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to see something a little fresh and Steve Trevor being a, a grown up about things. So that that might be the most interesting part of the issue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Hal, I, I, I liked the art. I gave it a six. <laughs> heard yeah. <laughs> all right well i guess that wraps oh. shit up doesn't it it does indeed so yeah. before we close for the afternoon we are going to speed through our top three books for this week and a favorite moment if you have one starting with josh all right my top three in reverse order go number three is going to blood syndicate as a fan i loved it can't wait to see more number two i am batman I really dug the way that we are getting into this whole Man Ray and murder mystery deal. And number one, I am giving to Superman, which I thought worked really well to progress the story and introduce something that was really neat, um, which was my favorite moment, finding out that the Kents and Alfred stayed in touch because they are the super parents. Um, and you know what I just realized is that all three of mine are the lowest scores on Brandon's list. <laughs> That's funny. 
Um, I had a, a kind of a question mark, really, but number three, I, I put Superman, Son of Kal-El. I was kind of on the fence about what's put number three, because I haven't had a chance to read everything this week. Uh, I have a sneaking suspicion Get Joker will be on my top three when I eventually get the chance to read it. But for That's now, really Son good. of Kal-El at number three. Mm. Uh, number two, I had Future State Batman. Uh, I was a little behind on the last two issues of Future State, or not Future State Batman, Future State Gotham. <laughs> uh, I was behind on the last two issues, so I, I punched those out this week just in time for the latest one to come out, and reading all three in a row uh, really added to the story, I think, because uh, it was just nonstop action. Uh, and number one, I had Jurassic League, because my god, it's great to be a kid again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and honestly, a favorite moment, I couldn't think of one. <laughs> honestly, I couldn't think of a single one. Uh, and I mean that in a plural sense. Like There was a couple moments I really enjoyed. Maybe Aquasaur giving the beat down to Black Mantasaurus. I thought that was a lot of fun. With a dolphin, of all things. Nice. Save the dolphins for Lobo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, well, for me, at number three, I had Jurassic League, which was also a lot of fun. Um, number two, I had Batgirls, just a really solid wrap-up to this arc. Uh, but number one, I'm going to give to a book that we mentioned, but we didn't really cover in detail, and that is Sandman Universe, Nightmare Country, number two. I oh, loved God. this issue. It was so just so good. good. Um, and as, like, so many, so many... I, like again, as someone who's not the biggest fan of Sandman, it's just really kind of captivating me into this universe, and it's almost making me want to give it a second try. You really um, should. So, yeah, yeah, I know. Um, it's taunting me, uh, but maybe we'll see. Um, but yeah, no, I really dug this one, and just some really gorgeous artwork from um, Esteran and Sorrentino. My favorite moment, without a doubt, is definitely uh, Steph's little speech to Tudor um, in Batgirls number six. That was just like right on par with Steph, and I was like, yeah, okay, you guys get these characters now. Like, we're, we're, we're past the point where there's any confusion. Like, you get it. I'm, I'm with that. So I really enjoyed that. I'll, I'll, I am in 100% agreement with you on that one. Clunin uh, knows her Batgirls now. Yeah, no, they, they've settled into it. There's no more, like, awkwardness. It doesn't feel like, what did you say? They were trying to do, like, teen speak or something? I forget. I'm trying to think back to when we covered that first issue. It feels like yeah, it's been it, a million it, years. It, but. it felt, right? It, it just, it felt like we had a serious storyline with juvenile characters, the way that they were written. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. now it feels like, okay, we, we know and understand where these characters are and how they you know, behave and all that stuff. And obviously we're still going to put our spin on it, but it felt a lot more in line with the, the stuff that I know and love. So I really appreciated that. Um, uh, agreed. But for as much as I appreciated that, unfortunately, we have to shift our attention to something that I didn't quite appreciate. And that is the biggest thinker. Oh, that's nasty. Well, that's the cleanest transition I think we've ever done. It's kind of nice. I got chills. I got chills. Um, so, yes, gentlemen, which uh, title made your stink list this week? Rob? Uh, <laughs> I don't think we even talked about it. I don't think it was mentioned at all. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm on principle right now. I'm putting Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes. Oh, I was saying that for the dumb list. But... I, actually, I actually read this week's issue. I wish I hadn't, but I did. <laughs> you know, 
I had some extra time because I'd finished a, an assignment early, and I was like, you know what? It's been a while since I've read Justice League versus Suicide Squad. Maybe it's not so bad. And then I wanted to end my life. Amen. <laughs> uh, but we can save that for the dump list. Uh, so which which title in particular? Oh, well, you said Justice League versus Suicide Squad, so actually never mind. <laughs> Um, for my biggest stinker, I would have given it to Jurassic League, but since that is just, well, let's call it what it is. It's a, it's a gimmick book. Since it's, it's just a gimmick book, that really shouldn't uh, make its way onto the biggest stinker. The shitty regular book that we reviewed this week, the one in the main titles, is Wonder Woman. But that said... I read, as I always do, every book that came out from DC, and like Rob and Brandon, I am going to say that if it wasn't for my ever-loving sense of life and love around me, I would end myself after reading Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes. (laughs) Pain! It's literally like like that meme from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. (laughs) <laughs> Bang. 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 Um, that's, that's what i felt like reading this shit i i, I sat through the, i went through the wonder comics imprints i i watched him fuck up young justice i watched him fuck up action comics i watched him fuck up yeah. justice league i read every issue by far with justice league versus legion of superheroes bendis has outdone himself but how do you feel about moon knight I don't know what you're yeah. talking about. <laughs> now you got I called out there. I forgot to bring that up in the news segment, damn it. <laughs> oh, that was a long time ago. You be quiet. <laughs> well, that was like, what, two like days 2010? ago. Yeah. yeah, it was 2010. That was a long oh, time ago. Okay. Yeah, no, that was, that was like, uh, that's like post-siege. So that's like... 10, yeah. 11? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's like that's like around or post siege. So that's right around the point where he's like, okay, <laughs> I think I think it's it's all downhill from here. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> with the exception of Miles Morales, I guess. But um, yeah. even still, Miles yeah, Morales. I, know, I think that was 2011. Yeah. Anyway, um, at least on my end, my biggest stinker um, was kind of a toss-up between Blood Syndicate and Wonder Woman, but I was hesitant to put Blood Syndicate because for as much as I wasn't a big fan of the art and the story, I was at least willing to kind of give it a pass because I wasn't that familiar with Blood Syndicate, and I feel like maybe if I you know, was a bit more familiar with some of those characters and, and that setting of the Dakotaverse, uh, the Milestone universe, I would enjoy it a little bit more. So I feel like maybe if I educate myself a little bit more on Blood Syndicate, I may find something to enjoy. Um, But it just, that kind of being thrown blind into it really soured it for me. Um, But no, if I I take out Blood Syndicate, the only one left there really was just Wonder Woman, which was, again, just massively disappointing because I felt like it was such a waste of potential of what could have been a really great wrap up to trial of the amazons but ultimately ended up just being set up for an arc that should have been in doom patrol but is in a wonder woman book which just makes no fucking sense whatsoever but it is what it is um i'd, I'd go far you know. so far as to say a doom patrol three-page backup yeah yeah but that's I mean, again <laughs> i like I, I have no problem with an idea of like a i don't know like a milk control or 
milk mind control plot being in Doom Patrol, because that was kind of what Milk Wars was, where everyone's like changed. If you haven't read that story, it's great. Uh, I'm sure Josh can co-sign that. I but can. I just it feels it feels so out of place with Wonder Woman, and it was frustrating, just really frustrating. But Very. that's enough of that. Um, do we have any titles that we want to nominate for the dump list? Wonder Woman was kind of a dud, but I don't think I want to move it there just yet. Not yet. Um, and Justice League versus Suicide Squad is a book that I think you should only read if you have a gun to your head. Um, Legion of Superheroes. And, and I'm not yes. even. <laughs> yeah, even 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 then, I'm not really sure you should read it. <laughs> like honestly, right. maybe just die. Um, <laughs> it's horrible, man. It's yeah. so bad. Like I, I would. I would really have to think about it for a hot second. Like, I couldn't believe how bad this book was. I'm sorry. Like, I, again, normally I, I would just kind of avoid it. Like, I haven't kept up with Naomi at all because I just didn't care. But I was like, out of curiosity, I was like, well, I'll just check it out and see what it's about. And it was, I, I, like, I was stunned at how much I disliked it. It's a giant number two. Which is a shame because the art is really good. Um, but... Uh, his, the art in his books is always good, with the exception of uh, yeah. J.R.J.R. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyway. Well, with all that said and everything wrapped up, that is our show for this week. We want to thank you so very much for listening, as always, and we will be back next week talking comics. Remember, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash podcasts for any kind of donation that you would like to make. As we said, we have a lot of exclusive content on the network that we think is definitely worth your time uh, and is worth um, checking out. But there's only one way that we say goodbye around here. Until next time, be good to each other. And don't be a robot. Thank you.